Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Laura Burhenny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And I'm Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. Welcome to another one of our podcasts. Yes, and today we're going to talk about cues. Verbal cues. Verbal cues. Yes. We want to make the point that verbal cues are probably the lowest priority uh, yeah. on a dog's list of things that they pay attention to. Right. Right. That's a very technical way of putting it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we're we're a very verbal society or verbal species. species, we sort of ascribe great value to verbal cues. And we just kind of take for granted that our dogs do the same. Right. It cracks me up when I get a phone call from someone that says he doesn't listen and he's 12 weeks old. He doesn't listen. Yeah, He He doesn't doesn't listen when I say no. Yes. Have you taught him what the word means? So there's a couple of messages I hope that we can get get out there today. One of them is uh, words only have meaning to dogs when they have been carefully trained to have meaning. Right. It's an association, just like if we're learning a new language. I mean, dogs aren't born knowing how to speak English. They don't innately know what the word sit means or what the word down means. We, they have to learn it. Right. Just as if we were in a foreign country and we didn't speak the language, we would have to learn what the words meant. We wouldn't right. just hear a word and go, oh, well, I know that that means sit down in a chair because right. you just said those words to me in a language that, that makes no sense. Of. And the same thing goes with like a dog. Let's say you have a German shepherd. It doesn't mean your dog is going to know German any better no, instanta- instantaneously. Sentence. You know, it's like it's innately going to understand German as opposed to English. So we should use German cues for the dog. Yeah, I'm not sure where that came from, but that's kind of a giggle for me, is that there have been people that I've met that somehow feel that German cues are going to be easier, right. more impactful. I don't know what it is right. about the German cues, but they're preferable over Right, or over you have English. you have a you have a Dutch shepherd, so you, you, know, you use Dutch cues with him because it's going to mean more to him. None of it inherently means anything to dogs. Furthermore, when you're teaching a dog a behavior, your verbal cue is something that the dog does learn by association, but is the least is the thing that the dog pays the least amount of attention to naturally. So naturally, they pay the closest attention to your body language. Mm-hmm. Next would be the voice inflection, the way that you deliver your cue. Right. And lastly, after they've learned it and they've really made a strong association to it, and they have an idea of what it means, they may start to pick up on what your verbal cue means. And this is important because. I've met people who who had a dog that they were trying to train and they were using a particular word for a cue. Mm-hmm. And then they saw my dog and my dog really responded off of a different word that I used. Then they think that changing their word is going to make their dog respond then better. They, they think that somehow that word has magic. Oh, that's a good idea. That's what I should call it. But in reality, words have no particular magic. You can call right. it anything you want. You can call uh, a down shoehorn <laughs> and, right. and a stay rumpelstiltskin. It doesn't matter what the word is that you use. What matters is how you train it and how clear and how well you get the dog to understand a verbal by it is a standalone. And also, it's not just that, but you have to think of how your cues sound to the dog. So let's say you use drop to get the dog to drop something out of his mouth and then you use plop for down 
to get alike. the dog to lie down right. if they, if they, they sound, sound alike. alike. So make sure that whatever words you're using for the for different cues sound very different. Because if you said if you looked at your dog and you said clown, he'd in the same inflection and that you use and with the same body language that you use for the word down, the dog would probably do it. Right. Sound alikes are a bit of a killer. Which, by the way, is a consideration when you're going to name your dog. Clown would be a really bad name for a dog yes. if you wanted to use the cue down to get them to lie down. Because those are huge sound alikes. And, mm-hmm. and the dog is going to remember that, that a dog's name, the name of a dog has one meaning. And that is it means I'm talking to you. When I say Laura, I don't mean anything other than I'm speaking to you. Whatever I have to Pay say now. Right. is going to be directed at you. Okay? And for a dog, that means whatever I'm going to say with my body language or and or cue with voice inflection means I'm speaking to you. So a name should always come prior to giving a command. If you tell your dog to sit, it's a very bad idea to say, sit, flirt. Flirt's my dog and she helps be in the room with us because she's looking at me like, what the heck are you talking about? She didn't because she didn't. She wasn't paying attention, so she didn't hear the word "sit" because, as far as she knew, it didn't apply to her. But then she looked at you when she heard her name, right? right. But if the dog is already paying attention to you, there's no need to say her name before the right. word. If she was if she was standing in front of me, staring up at me, and I gave her a cue, then she would have, a, especially if I was looking at her. She would have a pretty good idea. Voice is very helpful if the dog doesn't have to be looking straight at you. And certainly distance and that kind of thing is helpful. Or when you you have a group of dogs. Mm -hmm. And speaking of groups of dogs, I was dealing with with a group of dogs. And one of them was named Lucy and one was named Moosey. And they are both very easygoing dogs and very dogs who... Very dogs. Very dogs. <laughs> very dogs. Yes, they're very dogs. They're very dogs. These are yes. these are very dog dogs. <laughs> yes, and you know, I mean, they're they're both dogs who who like like they they want to try to get it right. Right. You know, they're very malleable, right. and so so I want to move one one direction and one the other direction, and I'm standing in a doorway, and I go, Lucy, come, and then the other one, Moosey, comes through. No, right. and no, Moosey, stay. Lucy, come. And one of them would stay and one of them would go. And I was getting so frustrated. Yes. You know, and yes. then finally, it because the, they were both so confused. And yes. it was obvious that they were both so confused. And I'm getting frustrated. And I look at them and I go, oh, my God, they are trying so hard to be good. Yes. They are both trying so hard to do what I'm telling them to yes. do. Yes. Because I had trained them both. And those are train them both. And those are remarkably similar sound alikes, but mm-hmm. there are sound alikes that are less similar that will confuse your dog also. I think for me when I name my dogs, I'm always really aware when I'm choosing a name to choose a name that doesn't sound even remotely like a name that I already have. So I have a dog by the name of Tater. It's unlikely that I would use another er sound at the end of a dog's name because even if the beginning sounded different. The end is such a strong ending right. that it has the likelihood for becoming a bit of a sound alike for the dogs. It's just mm-hmm. going to make the job a lot harder for my dogs. And you don't you want to make it easy on them as possible, especially since verbal cues are not their forte. Right. That's the big thing to remember is that our dogs don't communicate with one another very much with sound. There is the some, sound comes last. There is some the sound part. that happens between dogs. But very little bit, little of it has to do with words. I mean, we don't really know, but we make the assumption. Unless they're wearing a bilingual. <laughs> well, we don't really know. We don't really know. You know what? In right. the end, there's a certain amount We're of conjecture guessing. that goes on in deciding how dogs 
if there's a language there. But what we do know is that we can find commonality in the sound, the mm-hmm. voice, the inflection that right. they use, or the way that mostly the way that they look when they make a particular sound gives us most of the idea of what it is that they're trying to convey. So a dog right. that looks like he's giving a back off cue with his body and then makes a sound that goes along with that is a much better cue than just assuming that a growl means something negative because a growl can be playful. Oh yeah. Yeah, my dogs growl when they play. But it depends on what the body language is. Yeah. That's what gives us the idea. So I think the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because of the misconception that people have about words and the amount of power that they have to a dog. We talk all the time. And I don't just mean you and I. Because <laughs> we coincidentally we do. do talk all talk the time, all the especially time. on these podcasts. Yes. But we... We tend, as people, to talk all the time. We talk to each other. We talk on the phone. Our televisions talk. Our radios talk. You know, there is... And it becomes white noise after a while. That's right. There is talking. There are words flying around all the time around your dog. And most of the time, they need to shut it out or they would go mad. I'm sure you've seen that cartoon. What you say to the dog, and it's, Ginger, you're such a bad girl. I can't believe you did that, Ginger. You shouldn't have gotten into the trash, Ginger. Blah, blah, blah. Well... It keeps going, and then it says, what the dog hears, blah, 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 ginger, blah, 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 ginger, blah, 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 ginger, where we think the dog understood every single word that came right. out of her mouth. Right. Especially when we have a certain body language and voice inflection and look on our face that the dog is like, let's say the dog is in trouble. The dog now starts showing some appeasement behavior. We're sure the dog knows that he did something wrong. And the, what the dog really knows is that we're upset. Yes. And that it appears to be focused on them. Right, and so it appears that we are in a bad mood, or taking a, or are right. acting aggressive. We had and a bad it day at is, work. Well, we appear to be angry. Right, and it appears to be focused on them. What made us angry? You know what we're responding to, what we're talking to them about. Not so much. So when you start working with your dog and you start training your dog, keep this in mind. It will help you tremendously if you remember. The, the things that my dog is the most attuned the things that my dog is the most attuned are most are most hello you I having, can't having speak. trouble here uh, 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 okay Do you need some caffeine sorry. or have you had too much caffeine sorry people I'm sorry <laughs> the things that our dogs are the most tuned into are our body language mm-hmm. okay our voice inflection plays a huge role in in what they think that we're conveying to them mm-hmm. if you're telling your dog it's okay it's okay but you're whining it out like a like a sad sorry dog the dog is not going to think it's okay because they don't understand about those words the words don't They're mean listening anything to the whining underneath the words right so if you say sit down, come, whatever it is. When you're choosing your cues for your dog, try to choose cues that don't that are not sound alike, mm-hmm. that don't have particularly sound like your dog's name or right. like other cues that you're going to be using. And remember that you have to teach them in association with other things that give your dog the clearest idea and then start phasing out those other things. You can get a dog to understand what a word means as a cue by itself. But you have to work towards it. You have to start by giving the dog... And and you can't assume that the dog knows the cue simply because he's been responding to it in addition to all the other things that you do. Body language. And you have to do it in different situations and stuff so that the dog can actually pick out the one thing that is the commonality. Because I think that's part of the problem is that, you know, we think the dog gets it. And we really don't know what the dog is learning until we 
put it in another situation, change the change the dynamic, change what's going on in the environment, and then the dog has done it before in the kitchen a hundred times and gets it right a hundred times, and then we move it to outside where gardeners across the street with the weed whacker and the trash truck is going by, and we tell the dog to do something, and it's a totally different visual and otherwise environment for the dog. So it changes the whole look and feel of the behavior. Right. They have to learn about that word. The other thing is, and this is a really important one to remember, use the dog's name. Let the dog know who you're talking about. I constantly work with people who will all of a sudden, when the dog is not paying any attention, throw out a cue to their dog. And the dog completely ignores them. And they look over at me like, well, what's wrong with him? And well, I say... And especially if you've been in a conversation with yes. them. And I say to them, how... Well, he doesn't know you're talking to him. He doesn't know. He just tuned out like a million words because they weren't focused on him. Mm -hmm. Now he's not looking at you and he's not paying attention to you and you gave him no idea that you were actually talking to him, but you threw out a word. And by the way, when you have a dog that you're in the beginning stages of training, until the dog is, and when I say beginning, I mean quite a bit into the training stages. I mean, until a dog really becomes savvy about what you've taught them. Just using their name isn't necessarily enough of a cue to let them know you're talking to them. If you have a dog that you've been in a conversation, and this has happened to me with clients. I've been engrossed in a conversation with a client, and we've been talking, 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 talking. Maybe we've thrown out the dog's name a couple of times in, in the process of our conversation even. Right, but not because, directed at him. No, because we're talking about him, not to him. Right. And then suddenly the person looks over, and they use the dog's name, and they say, well, I'll use Brinks. Brinks, sit. Then the dog completely ignores them. And I'll say to them, well, you really didn't get his attention because we've sat here and we've talked about him and we've used his name and he's really, in order to preserve his sanity, needed to tune us right. out. Otherwise, these poor animals, they would go nuts. Well, it's the same thing for us. I mean, they say that we, that our brain has to weed out a billion things per minute mm-hmm. and and only have us focus on the things that are important because otherwise we would go crazy. Right. But the thing is that for us, this particular skill, at least in, in terms of language, is a lot easier because we came here hardwired to get this whole language thing. And dogs didn't. Right. For them, this is a foreign idea. This is a foreign language. This is like you plopping you down into a country that you don't speak the language and expecting you to pick up on all the cues and get it right. And in reality, if you were sitting in a room with people who were talking about you and they did it long enough, you would start to tune them out because you would get frustrated trying to figure out what they were saying about you. And so then when they spoke to you, you wouldn't necessarily get it. And I have actually been in a situation where I've been involved with someone who whose family spoke a different language and been in their home and they're speaking their language. And, and then I, you hear Kim every once in a while? Yeah. And at the first you turn around and you look and you realize they're not actually talking to you? Yes. Well, and I get irritated, too, because oh, they're yeah. talking it's about just me. rude. But the thing is, our dogs don't get, they have a lot more grace about such things, and they don't get irritated <laughs> with us. But then when somebody does turn and say something to me, I may or may not actually pick up on it. Mm-hmm. Because in the absence of their catching my attention and telling me, tune in, I've tuned out as an act of self-preservation. So it, they need to say your name, or you need to say your dog's name, make sure he is paying attention yeah, to you contact, before, right. yes, eye contact, right. before you actually tell him what to do and give him information. Right. So anyway, bottom line, words, no magic. <laughs> no magic whatsoever. They, right. they have They have no more power than what you teach them as, and they are what your dog pays the least amount of attention to. So when you are training your dog, they're what you need to work 
if you want to have a dog that responds to voice verbals, right? Yes, to verbal commands, then you need to do the most amount of work and have a, some patience and allow your dog the room and the space to get it to understand it. Take the time, do the work, and allow them the space to get it right. And you have got to separate out. If you're going to do that, you have to separate the verbal from the visual cue. Meaning if you say sit and you do your hand cue at the same time, the dog is going to only get the hand cue or it's going to take them a very long time to get the verbal. So if you want to teach the verbal separate, you have to do the verbal separate from the hand cue. And how would you go about that? Let's just Well, so like let's say I wanted to teach the dog. Because most people say, okay, so most people say sit at the same time they're using their hand cue, like luring Mm -hmm. the dog up into Mm -hmm. a sit. The way to separate it out is because we're 99.9% sure the dog is going to follow the hand, Mm -hmm. what we're going to do is we're going to put the unknown before the known. Okay, so it's like we're going to say sit without moving, and I mean not just don't move your hand. Don't get your I mean get your hand in position to move it. Yeah, and and don't mean you can bob your head around because all of that goes along with the visual. That's okay? right. Your dog be- so tunes into all that. Right. So your body has to be quiet, meaning your body cannot be doing some kind of any movement. Right. right exactly. So you're standing there. You say sit. You give the dog a second to go. What? And then you show them with the hand cue as if they go, oh. So you say sit, they go, huh? You show them, and then they then they do it, and then you reward them. And they go, oh, gee, okay, every time, because it's anticipation. Every time they say that word, then they do that particular thing with their hand that makes my rear end go down, and then I get rewarded for that. So then what's going to happen is pretty soon... You say the word sit and the dog anticipates and preempts you so that he sits when you say sit instead of having to wait for you to do the hand cue. And then you reward them for going on the verbal. Exactly. In some sets of circumstances when you're training, you actually discourage a dog from anticipating. But in this set of circumstances, when you're trying to get strictly to a verbal, you're actually going to reward you use that, that anticipation. anticipation. Right. Right. And how, how long? So go ahead and demonstrate for us if, the sit and then when does your hand start to move? Show us the timing for that. So if you I were would, teaching a new dog. Okay. I would say sit and then do the hand cue. So that's a, the amount of time that you would use in, in between. Right. Because I don't want to give the dog enough time to guess wrong. Right. And you also don't want to sit there. That's right. You also don't want to sit there staring at the dog. That's really important. Because then the dog's going to go, I think I'm supposed to do something. And then they offer you something that's totally wrong. I think I want to help them out. Right. I think unfortunately when we teach, the reason that I asked you to do that is unfortunately when we teach this lesson, sometimes we have people saying, we have people trying to interpret what you just said. And they'll say, sit. And then they'll wait to see, is the dog going to get it? And then they go, sit. Is the dog going to get it? Sit. Well, even if they don't repeat. Right. Even if they don't repeat. They wait to see, is the dog going to get it? Is he going to get it? Is he going to get it? Is he going right. to get it? And they wait too long. And then finally do the hand cue. It does not, it is no longer connected not, to right. the sit. So that's why I wanted you to demonstrate the timing yeah. on that. Because it needs I to be fairly quick. Right. Sit, wait, go. Right. And sit, sit wait, is... Hand. Exactly. Hand and and sit is, is something that the dog is... Most dogs, their default behavior is sit. So no matter what comes out of your mouth... They're probably going to sit. So even, and this is why I don't want to wait too long because, like I said, I don't want to give the dog a chance to guess wrong. Because in the beginning, it is guessing, right? If you don't put the hand cue in there, he's going to guess. So let's say sit is his default behavior. And you look at him, you've been working on sit, sit is his default behavior. You look at him and you say down. If you don't help him out with that, with your hand cue for down, he's probably going to give you a sit. 
because that's been probably the most heavily reinforced thing that he has, and it's his default behavior. So no matter, unless you teach him differently, he's going to offer you a sit after you've said the word down, and then you're going to have to fix it. And if you if he sits and then you do the down hand cue, you're kind of building in a sit into the down. Right. Which you don't want to do. Right. So don't wait too long. It's the verbal, one second, and then go into the hand cue. Right. Verbal, one second, and then go into the hand cue. You just don't want to give the hand cue simultaneously. And the other thing is that I wanted to mention is you don't want to set your hand up ready to do the hand cue because, because then that becomes a body cue. language cue. Right. So you want to have your hand in a neutral position, say the word, one second, then pull your hand into the into the hand cue. Right. Okay. Because that just, you're having your hand there is going to cue the dog to do it because he's anticipating the movement of the hand. That's right. It's just going to become a different body language cue that now you have to take have out to of the fade, equation. Right. Yeah. All right. That probably about does it for cues. Words have no magic, people. No magic whatsoever. Well, Even if you us. said abracadabra. <laughs> well, they do for us. For us, you know, words are very meaningful. But for your dog, not so much. Not unless you teach them. Right. All right. Well, I'm Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Burhenny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you for joining us. You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.